0: If you would bow with me in prayer and then we're going to go back to Genesis together. But let's uh, pray first. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this time that we have to gather together uh, with one another as your people. We thank you uh, that we uh, can come directly to you in prayer, that we can sing these praises to you. Uh, We thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray that as we open your word this morning that you would lead and guide us in all truth. Uh, We just confess without uh, the movement and the work of the Holy Spirit... Uh, in us and through us and and teaching us and guiding us we are hopelessly lost and so we pray that you would do just that this morning that you would teach us you would guide us you would remind us that you would point us more fully to who you are and the ways you love us and what you've done for us we pray all these things in jesus precious name amen uh want to just think for just a second ask a couple questions uh if, if any of these resonate with you, but do you ever get to uh, the end of the week and you feel like you have not gotten all that you wanted to get done? Uh, you had th- yeah, there's a lot of laughter. Yes, yes, I sometimes feel that way. Uh, or, or you get to the end of the week and you're just tired. Uh, you're exhausted. There are all these things you wanted to do. You didn't get to all of them. Uh, oftentimes we get so busy uh, that it's just uh, physically exhausting. We have so much to do and different things. That's the pace of life. The culture we live in today. Uh, I, I think that's pretty common for a lot of us. It's, it's difficult uh, when you have only so many hours and there's a lot of things you're trying to cram into those so many hours and then uh, not to be able to get them all done. And, and so sometimes we're tired physically from just running and going a lot. But sometimes we're tired from weighing on our mind all the things that we didn't get to. But right? that's that can be just as exhausting in a different way. Maybe not physical exhaustion. But mentally, spiritually, different things that are that are going on around us, it's hard to set them down and just rest. And so we can struggle with that. And so whether physical or mental or different things, and we all uh, deal with that differently. Sometimes physical exhaustion, you just get to a point where you, you literally just crash. You're like, I, I can't go anymore. I've got to sleep. I've got to rest. Uh, I remember when Joanna was in residency, she would uh, routinely work 80 to 100 hours in a week. And uh, she would come home from call and she would have been gone for 36 hours and she would walk in. And I would say, was it a good call night or a bad call night? And if it was a bad call night, she wouldn't say anything. And she'd walk right past me and she would hit the bed and that would be it. And sometimes she'd go, oh, well, I slept a couple hours and I feel pretty good and I'm OK. You know, it just depended. Uh, we all have probably had that at different times in different ways. Um, if you've had kids, uh, the first one usually turns into like you have that baby and then it's like about a six week long day. Right. It just all runs together day and night and you're exhausted and it's, you've, you've probably felt that or, or remember some of you are laughing. Remember what that was like. Uh, I personally don't handle that well at all uh, with our first Asher. I tried to stay up and be supportive and do all those things. And then I started hallucinating. Uh, that's what happens when I don't sleep. I hallucinate. And so I've actually rescued Joanna a few times in the middle of the night from her dresser sinking into the floor. Uh, That's actually happened. I've jumped over her and gone, oh, she'll go, what? Never mind. (laughs) And I go back to sleep and then she's wide awake and scared to death because I just jumped over her because. But it it affects us all in different ways. And you know what I mean? In in different times, in different ways, we struggle. It's hard sometimes to rest and it's for a whole lot of different reasons. Uh, Sometimes it's physical exhaustion. Sometimes it's mental. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's a combination of all those things working together. And so today we're going to go back into Genesis and I want us to talk just big picture about work, what God's told us about work and what that looks like, the way he's designed that, the way he's intended for us in that. And I think a lot of these things we're talking about, kind of laughing about and our exhaustion and those things are in a lot of ways because we're not doing the things that God's called us to or the way he originally designed us to work. And so I want us to think on that this morning and this is the way we're going to look at it in Genesis 2 First, I want us to consider God's big picture, uh, God's design for work, some big ideas, just a couple things. And we'll take just a few minutes on that. And then secondly, I want us to consider how God intends us to work. And that would include rest in that, how he intends us to work and to rest. But then the last part is how do we actually do this? It's easy to say, here's what it is. Here's what God intends for us. This is what it looks like. The hard part is actually doing it and following through it. So I want us to think on those three big things uh, just as an aside, if you've been with us in Genesis, this is our fourth week and here we are still in Genesis 2. Uh, next week we'll hit Genesis 3 and then the week after 4 and we'll start to speed up a little. But there's so many foundational things in these first couple of chapters that we really could spend a really, really long time on just Genesis 1 and 2. And so we're going to do these four weeks and then we'll kind of start to speed up, get to Genesis 3 next week. But here's how I want us to look. Big picture of God's design for work. So look at chapter 2, verse 1. And two, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so I, I like to say I'm, I'm good at pointing out really, really obvious things, but sometimes they're so obvious that we gloss right over them. And the first thing I want you to see when we talk about the way God has designed work, big picture, is the origin of work is with God. That is the first one working that we see in the creation account. It says in Genesis 2 and chapter 1 and then again in chapter or in verse 1 and then again in verse 3 that God's working. He's working in his creation to create We see this picture. It gets fleshed out a little more in chapter two as he bends down into the ground and it tells us in more detail how he makes Adam and he makes him out of the the dirt and breathes life into him. And that picture we talked about last week of taking out of Adam and forming the woman. Uh, You see the picture that uh, the uh, prophets will talk about later on. Jeremiah in particular, see it in Romans of talking about God as the potter and we are the clay and that picture that's there. And so what I want you to get is just real, real big picture. Big idea is that work originates with God. He's the first one working in the story. And it tells us that he's working and he finished his work and he rests from it. And so you see that picture first and foremost, that work originates with God. But then the second thing I want you to see, big picture banner over all this, is when we get to chapter two and we get this picture that God sets everything up. He kind of sets the stage and then he forms man and he forms the woman. Uh, we've been looking at in the last couple of weeks, the charge he gives us at the end of chapter one, where he says you're going to go out and subdue the earth and be over creation. And he's given that charge to man and woman together to do this. And he sets us up in that. And that's the picture that's there. And so you get this in chapter two and you get to the end of chapter two or actually verse 15. It says the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. And so he sets them up for this and he says, now you're going to work and you're going to do this. And then as you read on down through the chapter, he presents the woman. They're doing this work together. God's given them everything's great. And you get this summary at the end of chapter two. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And what you get is this picture this beautiful of the way God designed things. You've got this incredible garden. They have food They've got uh, this intimate relationship with God. We'll see in chapter three, it's hinted out that they walked in the cool of the day with God, that the man and the woman together, naked and unashamed, walking with God. They have this food. They have all these things. But the interesting thing I want you to see is in this perfect picture before sin is entered, before anything's gone wrong, before man rebels against God in any way that you have all of this there. And then you also have work. Work is actually part of the plan before things go wrong, work is not a response to our sin. And then God says, OK, now you're going to work. He puts the man and the woman in the garden and he tells them you're going to be fruitful and you're going to multiply and you're going to subdue the earth that have given you all of this. And he puts the man in the garden to work. And so oftentimes we miss some of those great, big, huge pictures. Work originates with God and it was part of his original good plan for us to be working. And we often just kind of skim right over that. In fact, when God inspired Moses to write this down, writing into an ancient culture, this would have been groundbreaking to hear this. To have the scripture, to have the word from God that says this is the way I did it and this is the way it works. It would fly in the face of everything around at the time. It would fly in the face of all ancient literature. I'd say it even flies in the face a lot of what we're inundated with today in our daily lives. That God says that work is good and it was part of his good creation from the very beginning. You see, you go back and you read the ancient Greek mythology. And the idea was that there were gods and they created people. And the reason they created people is so that they didn't have to work and make the people do it. That's that's the way it went. Or if you've heard the story of Pandora's box, Pandora's box gets opened up and all these horrible things come out. War, death, pestilence. oh, Oh, yeah. And then work. Right. That's the way the story went. That was part of it. And so you saw that in all these different ways or uh, Socrates used to teach that the reason you wanted to be learned and grow in that and and grow in philosophy and all these things was so that you didn't have to do physical labor, but that was beneath that was for slaves to do. You want to not have to do any of that. And so you had this everywhere, but then God gives his word and he speaks and he says, I am working And I'm doing this that originates with me and I've given you work as part of my good creation. And so when you start to hear those things, I want us just to have that kind of standing over this, that work originates with God and it's God's good gift to us and for us. And it's not a necessary evil. That's the way he originally designed. So the second thing I want us to consider is how does God intend for us to work? And that would include and how we rest. Because that's really important to understand his good design for work. And so just think practically day to day as God creates and what he says, kind of the what of, of how we do this, right? The, the what of our work, of what it looks like. And so he says he puts the man in the garden in verse 15 to work it and to keep it. You can go back to chapter one at the end where it says in verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth, God gives them that charge and then he places them in the garden. He says, you're not going to work it and you're going to keep it and you're going to do these things. And you see that picture there from the very beginning of what it looks like. And I want you to think about what God was doing and how he created to so review just real, real briefly what we've talked about so far. God created all things not out of a deficiency in himself, but to share the fullness of love and joy that exists in and of himself between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God didn't create us because of a void in him. Right? He's perfect in every way, and he decides that he's going to share that with his creation, and so he creates us in his image to share in that. And so part of that is he gives us this picture and then we now are going to surround uh, uh, focus on him, love God and love people. We've talked about that a couple times the last few weeks. And that's the picture that's there. And we get to reflect back what he's like. Right. We've been saying that to glorify God is to mirror him or reflect back to show the world what he's like as his image bearers, made in his image. We get to do this. And so I want you to think about how work fits in with that as we start to talk about work. God's creating. Uh, It says in Genesis one, one, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void. That's a, that's a tough verse. What does that mean? Why was there for without form and void? But basically there's, there's some stuff there. And then the rest of it is he starts to put it into order. He starts to take it and create from that and put it into order and order the earth. And he goes through and he does all this. And he brings beauty and he brings all of this out of his creation, his good creation, as he put it there, and he begins to order. It. And so the picture I'm driving at is when we get to our work, we're doing the same thing God's doing kind of in a smaller scale. God allows us to subdue the earth, to be part of it, to continue the work he's doing in these different ways, to glorify him, to show what he's like. And so God's given us those opportunities to do just that. Just as God created and then he took all that material and he started to kind of fix it and put it out and and put it into this beautiful picture that we see. We now get to go into his good creation and begin to subdue the earth and do the things that he's called us to do. And in doing so, we show what God's like and the abilities and the things he's given us. And so you can think about that in a whole lot of different ways. We don't create out of nothing as God created. We take the raw material he's given us and we subdue it and put it in order and make beauty out of it. Uh, I immediately go in my mind to architecture, uh, that being my my first degree and where I spent a lot of time when I first got out of school. But architecture, uh, a builder, uh, a carpenter. Uh, All those things that get to go together to make like this building, we've taken the raw material that God's given us and we've put it in this way and we've brought order out of it and it's functional and it's helping. And in a lot of ways, we're doing exactly what God was doing in his creation. We're showing what he's like as we do that. You could go and say that about all different sorts of things. Uh, Think about a, a musician. Who takes, takes the raw material of sounds that already exist, but now arranges them in a certain way that they bring beauty and glory for for God's glory and for uh, helping and serving others. And so we start to think about it in that way. You can go through and say that in all these different things. Uh, a writer who, who takes and, and writes stories or movies or does creative things out of that. Right. A, a writer takes... Uh, human experience and the things they see in front of them and they organize it in a certain way that brings us uh, the drama of life and and love and what that looks like. And it it rises in us different things, different uh, emotions. And so thinking about those pictures that are there, we're doing the same thing in smaller forms. I actually had been working on this all week and on Friday I was finishing a retaining wall in my backyard and I was thinking I'm bringing order out of this mess of my yard. And we kind of joke about it, but it's like that's that's for real. Like I'm now taking this muddy mess and I'm putting these stones and I'm and I'm putting pine straw on it and I'm making it look nice and all those things. And I'm joining God in what he's doing and showing in my own little small way what he's like. And so God allows us to be part of work in that way. And so work originates with God, but we get to join him in it as his image bearers. To show what he's like in that. But I want you to think about why. And this is where what God sets us up to do and where we are today probably diverge pretty quickly. God gives us that opportunity and that ability to do so to glorify him, to show what he's like and then to love and serve others. Jesus would say that over and over. This is how you sum up everything that God's after to love God and to love people. And I think that's even what God gave us work for. That we love God and show what He's like, but then we love and serve one another in the work that we do. And God's gifted every single person here differently in all different ways and given you different vocations and callings and works that you would do. But all of those, and in all of that, we get to serve one another in what we do. It's a pretty cool picture when you start to see that God's given us that vision of loving and serving others and showing what He's like in all that we do. And so that's the big, big picture. But then I want you to think about how he intends us to do this. And this is where uh, because of sin entering in Genesis three, we'll get to that next week. This gets wildly off track very quickly. And so I want you to think about the picture that's here. If you've ever noticed before you get to the end of chapter one and then the beginning of chapter two, remember, we've added uh, verses in chapters after the fact. And so really what we're reading 2, 1 to 3 is the end of the story in chapter 1. That God's created all these things and He's finished all of it and then He rested from His work. And so I want you to notice just the way this narrative goes. right, Six days of creation. God creates man on the sixth day. He's the last part of this. He makes him in His image. He says, you're going to subdue the earth. I'm going to give you this work to do. He sets him up with this beautiful blank slate. He's given us creativity and excitement for this. We now get to join him in his work. And then he says, "Okay, now rest. I mean, that's the way the story goes. He finishes all of it. And right as he sets man in there and he's ready to go day one, the first thing he says is, "Okay, now it's the seventh day. We're going to rest. And so you're going to start with the first day resting. It almost seems like a, a, a cruel trick there. Like you're so excited and you're ready to go. And then he goes, "Okay, now just stop. And it starts with rest. First, you rest. And this is the example. This is the way God sets it up. Now, it says he finished all his work and then he rests from his work when he's done. Uh, You can think about that in a whole lot of different ways. Did God rest because he was tired? No, I don't think so. I don't think he exhausted himself by speaking things into into being. But God rests and he shows us what that's like. And how to rest in him and to put him at the center. And so he tells us to start with that rest and he gives us that very first picture. Now, here's the problem. Oftentimes we don't do this at all. In fact, I say this idea that the Bible presents to us is that you start with rest and then you work from rest is so foreign to us. It's hard for us to even grasp. We don't do that at all. You can come tell me later if you do that really well, because I'd love to hear how you do that. Most people I know, myself included, most of the time my week goes and I've got lists of all these things and I try to get all of them done and you're running and running. And if I finally feel like I got enough done, then maybe I can carve out an afternoon to stop for just a little bit interrupted by phone calls and emails as I'm stopping. Right. That's what often happens. We try to to work really hard so that we can then rest. I think there's a whole lot of reasons we do this. Uh, One might be, I think we associate busyness with importance. You think about that a little bit, but I think that's true that we, we associate, I'm really, really busy all the time. So I must be really important, but I want you to think even deeper than that bigger picture. Why we do that. Uh, I, I read lots of articles this week on our work and what makes a good job and what we should be looking for. I think I read about like eight or 10 different articles, different publications, Uh, Just googled it. all these different things come up, what you should look for in a job, what will bring you fulfillment, all these kind of things. And so all of them, every single one of them started with, uh, well, you need to make money. Right. That was that was the first reason it gave for work. In fact, most of the articles would say, here's 10 things you should look for that will give you uh, fulfillment or would make your job good uh, other than money. Like they just that's assumed. Right. They all start there. But then from there, what does it look like? Uh, they would say uh, there were several things that kept coming up in all of them. One of them that kept coming up was to make a name for ourselves. That that's often what drives us to work. We want to be good at something. We want to be able to say I'm, I'm this and I'm really good at it. And so we work hard to make a name for ourselves. And I was thinking about that picture that's there. And I think that's very true. Uh, oftentimes we tie our identity to what we do. In fact, in our culture, that's the way we introduce ourselves. Say so, hey, how you doing? You exchange pleasantries and then guys in particular will do that. So what do you do? Right. That's almost always the first question. We primary identity in our life is what we do in our work. And so oftentimes we seek to make a name for ourselves in the work that we do. Uh, the second one that was on list on all of them, well, there was money, uh, make a name for ourselves. But the third one that was on just pretty much all the lists is, is we want meaningful work. We want to do work that that makes a difference, that we feel like we're accomplishing something. Uh, We want it to be meaningful. Now, I I don't think that's a bad thing, by the way. I don't think wanting to do meaningful work is bad. I think that's a good thing. We want to bless and serve others and show what God's like. And so, sure, we want to do things that we feel like are making a difference and that help in that. But when we start to get uh, our meaning in our life, what is meaningful, meaningful from our work, that's going to cause some problems. When the ultimate meaning of our life is this and what I do in this work, then I think that can end up causing some problems. And I want you to think about why in all of these, Uh, the approach we normally take to our work. And by the way, when I talk about work bigger than just what you do to make money, It, it can be all sorts of different things that we spend and invest our time on. It doesn't necessarily have to be the way we make a living or we make money. But we normally approach these things with these different things in our mind. I want to be really good at this. I want to make a name for myself. I want to do meaningful things. And we go at it in those ways. And as we start to do, I think what happens is we really struggle with resting. And I want you to think about why. If my meaning and my identity is so tied to my work, if I'm so concerned about making a name for myself, I'm so concerned about being successful or whatever that looks like. Oftentimes we work so that we can then rest. Right? If I do this and I do it well, then I can rest in what I've accomplished. Does that make sense? You ever feel that way? I do that all the time with a list of the things I want to do this week. And if I get a good portion of them done, then it's like, okay, that's good. I I had a good week and I feel like I did well. The, The problem is we slip into this do to be mentality when we operate that way. Say that again, A, a do to be mentality. I want you to think about what that means when I say that, but we, I do this. So therefore I am this, right? You ever feel that way? That, that is so common to the way that we function. It's like a fish in the water. You forget it's there. We just do it that way all the time. And so we say things like uh, I'm going to grow up and and graduate high school and then I'm going to get a job or I'm going to go to college or I'm going to do whatever. Get a degree, then get a job, then have a certain salary, and then I will be successful. So I do this and then I do this and then I am now this right due to be. We do this all the time in all different ways. Uh, right. If, if I can, if I can just uh, get married and have a house and a dog and maybe a, a kid or two and a new car, then I'm a success. Right. That's the American dream. Two point four kids and a picket fence. Right. That's the way we talk. And if I can do those things, then I'm now this. I'm now a success. Or, or maybe it's with your kids. Uh, you seek to raise your kids. If I can just keep them from killing one another and get them dressed and out the door and they are somewhat respectful in public, then I am now a good parent and I am a success. I do these things, so therefore I am now this. That's that do to be mentality. But here's the problem with that. When we begin to function that way, it's really, really hard to ever rest. When have you ever done enough that I'm now a success, that I have done this, I am now therefore this? It's a vicious cycle. It becomes really, really hard. And you start to try to run and run and run, and it becomes like the hamster on the wheel. You're just going and going and going. If I just get to this, then I will be this. And it becomes very difficult. And the problem that becomes so difficult and the problem that rest becomes so hard when we begin to function that way is we're trying to accomplish something in work that God never meant for it to do. And when we do that, it's going to bring futility. When we begin to use something not in a way that God's called us to use it, then it's going to become very difficult. I think I've used uh, an example like this or similar, but it's like uh, the other day I was hammering a nail and I couldn't find the hammer, so I picked up the tape measure. You ever done that? Don't do that with a plastic casing on the. It just pokes a hole in your tape measure. It doesn't work, right? It doesn't work because that's not what it was made to do. Right? A hammer is made to hammer a nail. When you use your work to now make your identity, you're using it for something it was never designed for God by God to do. And when you do that, you're going to keep trying And keep trying and it's going to keep causing problems and you're not going to be able to rest. And so when we have this do to be mentality. It becomes really, really difficult. It becomes difficult to stop because we never feel like we've done enough. And so what do we do? How do we break out of that cycle? Right. That's that's the picture here. God intends us to work from rest. But when we make work, things be it shouldn't be. It's very hard to rest. It's hard to do that. So how do we ever break that cycle? How do we get out of that? The problem we see here in Genesis, we don't see the problem until Genesis three. In fact, I would say to you at the end of Genesis two, Adam and Eve are resting. They're doing it. In fact, you get it in that last verse, and I don't know if you've thought of it this way, but when you get in the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed, they're resting They're out there completely exposed and they have no worries about it. Can you imagine what that would be like? All of it is laid out. I don't just mean physically everything. And they can stop. God says you're going to rest. They go, "Okay, Great. Can you imagine what that would be like? No worries. No struggles with I need to be doing this. And I haven't finished this. And oh, I better get to this. There's none of that here. They're just resting in it. Now the problem becomes in Genesis 3 when sin enters. God originally created work to be about glorifying what God's like and then loving and serving others. Genesis 3 comes in and they decide to rebel against God. We'll come back to this next week. But as they do, suddenly they go from resting in who they are to trying to hide who they are to trying to cover up, to trying to make it seem better. You almost see in Genesis three, them stepping onto the hamster wheel and starting to run. That's the picture that's here and they struggle with it. And so you go, what in the world? Well, we we decided instead of making it about glorifying God and serving others, we've decided to make it about what my identity and worth is by doing these things. Do to be entered in Genesis three. Instead of resting in who we are in God and the way he's made us and the way that we go about that, we've decided to identify it by what I do and what I do now makes me who I am. That's always going to end badly. That's not the way God created it. So how do we ever get off of that wheel of doing that? Well, maybe we go back to the beginning and we talk about the principles that are here. God, God designed work and it's good. It's good. And it's to show what he's like and to serve others. There's your answer. That's how we often preach and talk about things. Here's the biblical principle. Now add it to your life and go do it. Anybody know what the problem with that is? Here's the biblical truth. Love God. Love others. That's what you should do. So now you go work really, really hard to do that. Then what? You go, I'm going to serve people. I'm going to make a great meal for my children. Then what happens? This is gross. I don't like it. Oh, you've got to be kidding. You ever have that one? That's like at least once a week at our house. And it's usually the best meal, too. It's the ones that are really good that you're like, what's wrong with you guys? But we start to do those things. We start to love God and try to serve other people. We start to do that and all kinds of things come in and blow that up real quickly. Or, or we start to do that and then we go, why did nobody notice? Right? Which is, I, I want my identity to be tied to what I do and I want people to pat me on the back and tell me good job. And it's like, ah, oh, messed it up again. And we struggle with it in all these different ways. And we feel defeated and we go along and, and uh, we, we struggle in all of these ways. We try to apply the truth, but then we struggle to rest. And so we think, well, I've got to work harder, I'll get up earlier, I'll do more. And we still are doing the same thing, we've just packaged it differently. So how do we ever work from rest? How do we ever stop any of this? How do we ever get off that hamster wheel when our motives are a mixed bag and we're struggling and we want recognition and all these things that we struggle with? How do we ever stop? And the answer is the only answer is you rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he's done on your behalf. It's the only way it works. They were resting at the beginning because they were in that perfect relationship with God and then they lost it. We lost it all, but then God says, I'm going to bring you back to this and I'm going to come and do what you can't do and I'm going to do it for you and I'm going to bring you back to it so that you can rest again. In fact, this is a theme that we could follow all the way through the Bible. They're resting in Genesis one and two. They lose the rest in Genesis three. The whole story is going and going until Jesus comes and then we can enter into his rest again. It's all the way through there. And it's the only way that it works. And so when we start to get our identity. Meaning from what I do. Instead of who I am and what God's done for me, this is going to always bring futility. But when I see that God loves me completely and totally so much so that he was willing to lay his life down for me to take all my mess and then give me the grace and the glory of being in perfect relationship through what Jesus has done. Now I can rest. It's not ultimately me. It's ultimately Jesus. It's ultimately what he's done for me. My identity, my success, what he's called me to, the way I get to be a part of it, all has to be found in what Christ has done and nothing else. And when it does, it frees you to actually love and serve other people because you're not getting the pat on the back because of what I've done. I've already got God's love completely and totally and fully because of what Christ has done. And I can rest in that. And So if I go and serve somebody and they don't notice, so What? I get to show what God's like, the very God who loved me when I was unlovable. The one who sought me and brought me back and continued to do that. And so when you get that, God loves you and he's rescued you and he's brought you back. You can rest in that no matter what's going on and everywhere, every other area. And then you can be okay in the midst of that, that as you look around the room, God's gifted every single one of us differently. And here's the really cool part. When we get our identity from Jesus, what God has done and nothing else, all that work. There's no there's no hierarchy. If God made you really great at digging ditches, then awesome. Dig ditches to the glory of God for the rest of your life. If God made you really great at at painting, then paint those to the glory of God and the good of others. And rest in that, that He loves you completely and totally. If God made you the greatest stay-at-home mom in the history of the world, awesome. There's no hierarchy in those things. We add those things when we don't work from rest, but when we work to rest. But when we begin to work from rest, we go, oh, I can rest. And all those things. It doesn't matter. You do what God's given you to do to His glory for His best, and you rest in that. He loves you completely and totally. And what's really cool is then you're going to go out and guess what? You're still going to screw it up. You're still going to blow it. You're still going to go out and work really hard and then go, man, that was terrible. And you go, oh, but I can rest because God loves me completely and totally. It's all dependent on Jesus. Oh, I can still rest even when I blow it. Which is like every day. So that's so wonderful. is it not? That's the heart of the Gospel that we get to enter into into his rest and then we get to live from that this glorious good news that god loves us so much that he loves us that way let's pray god we thank you for the truth of the way that you've designed us that you have designed us to work you have designed us to show what you're like to care for others we thank you that despite our mistakes despite our sin our rebellion the ways that we blow it on a regular basis, that you continue to pursue us and love us, that we can find rest in what you've done for us, and all we can say is thank you. We pray that in all that we do this week as we go forth out of this place that we would be resting in the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. I pray that each person here would know so fully that you love them completely and totally without limit, and it's all because of what Christ has done. And so I thank you for that. I pray that we would cling in faith to what you've done for us, that we would work from that wonderful rest that can only be found in you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.